those that may not know it, but God's working. He's not dead. We're living in a lawless world. We've got people wanting to do away with the law and things like that. But God is working. They interviewed Herschel Walker the other day. I don't know where you know him or not. He lives in Texas. He was a Heisman Trophy winner when he run, played football for Georgia. And then went on to play for Dallas. They've taken a poll if he'll come back to Georgia. If he was to run for the Senate, he would automatically be elected. Overwhelming. There's a lady that's in the news media. They've asked her to come back to Carolina. They've run a poll. She would be elected. You and I may never hold those high positions, but I guarantee you our prayers is our weapon when we pray. If the jail opened up and let Peter out, God can raise up people and put them in the right position. He could put you in it. God's not looking for people that's got an education or a background. All the knowledge, and he's looking for people that's usable. God has all authority and all the power. All he needs is somebody, just somebody that he can use. I appreciate the presence of the Lord this morning. I appreciate the Sunday school lesson this morning. Turn to Acts 4, verse 28 and 15. Acts 4, verse 28, I'm sorry, to 35. Praise God. Acts 4. Amen. There's a miracle took place here this morning. A miracle in this place. God give, but we have to take hold of it. We have to take over by faith. The promises of God. All right, verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. 29. Now, Lord, beholding their threats, and grant among thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal. Signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Where there was assembly together, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. The multitude of them that believed were the one heart, one soul. Neither said any of them that ought the thing which he possessed was he his own. But they had all things common. Verse 33. With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Verse 34. Neither was there any among them that had like. As many as had possessions of lands of houses. Sold them and brought them to the price of the thing. They were sold, and they laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distributed was made unto every man according as he had need. We're going to title that this morning, The Revival That the World Needs. We're talking about everybody.
talking about you and me, the revival that we need. We need a revival for this world to be changed. And God is the one that gives revival. 2 Kings 14.25 says, According to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spoke by the hand of his servant Noah, I mean Jonah, the prophet. Most of us know the story of Jonah very well. I never understood really how evil Nineveh was. The Peggy's friend from Houston come through, and we went to Branchville, Missouri. We went to the program that they put on of Jonah, and they read some background. How evil and how corrupt Nineveh was. It's just unreal. And the reason this story is in this Bible is God wanting to tell us he is the God of everybody. It doesn't matter how evil, how crooked, how vain they are. He is still their God. He does not want to see any individual perish. He'll go to the full lengths and depths to save a soul. And Jonah was the man that was sent from God, according to the book of Kings. God sent Jonah down there to do this thing. He didn't go voluntarily. He is known in the Bible as a reluctant prophet. He had to be pushed. An eagle has to be pushed before they will ever fly. A lot of our children, we don't want to, them to leave the nest. But for them to have a life of their own, they're going to have to leave the nest. And they're going to have to learn how to fly on their own. Jonah refused to go. Even after the belly of the whale experience, Jonah's book is full of miracles. Miracles. I forgot how many is in there. God kept speaking to him. How many are glad that God keeps speaking to you? It doesn't matter how far away you get from God, he never quits speaking to you. He never quit speaking to Jonah because Jonah had a mission to complete for him. I want to say to everybody in this building, you have a mission from God, and we must complete it with joy. We cannot lay aside because it gets rough, tough, and bad. We have a mission. We're going to complete it, right? We're going to complete this mission. So Jonah went into this city, and he spake to this city. He says, 40 days. And then of us going to be what? What's going to happen in 40 days? Nineveh is going to be destroyed. I wonder what would happen if we was to hear a voice from God, from the prophet. America is going to be destroyed and when? What would be our reaction? Now, God sent Jonah down there to give that message to this wicked city. He didn't want to destroy this city. He wants to save this city. He sent him down there. God was given the assurance that he would not blot out their name from under the sun, 2 Kings 8 and 23. He was given Jonah the assurance to go down there and tell them that he was not about to blot out their name. Brother James Clayton touched on something this morning. 
we have to do what God says do. And the Bible says you have to receive it from the mouth of the prophet. So the prophet is Jonah, and they received the word. These were heatheners, vile, wicked, ungodly people. But when they heard the word of the Lord from the mouth of Jonah, something happened. One of the most powerful things God has given us to speak his word. It's not us, but it's the word that does the work. It wasn't Jonah, because the Bible didn't say that they heard Jonah. It didn't say that. I'd like for you to read that. It didn't say they heard Jonah, but he heard it from the mouth of Jonah, which was the word of God. It says they heard the word of God. The word builds faith. And when God gives faith, he gives action. They immediately, the king immediately put out a decree. From the greatest to the least would fast. There was 125,000 children. The last verse of the book of Jonah, the fourth chapter, tells you how many children was there. They didn't know the right end from the left. There was children. You and I have a great responsibility to our children and to this community and to the world we live in. Saul lost his seven sons because of the way he lived. The first world was destroyed. Babies, every living creature on the face of the earth was destroyed because of the lifestyle of the parents. We'll come back to here in a minute. But the Bible said the king declared a fast. From the least to the greatest, he's going to have to do what? Fast. He's going to have to put on sackcloth, means sorrow and repentance. They repented. The king laid aside his royal robe and stepped off the throne, put on his sackcloth and fell down in the ashes as repentance before God. Every beast of the field had to have a sackcloth put on them. Brother Johnny Waters, some of Brother Don's relatives, when him and Sister Waters fasted, every animal he had he put up in the corral, cut off the water, cut off the food. Curtis Hancock was the same way. He had some beautiful coon dogs, squirreled up. But when he fasted, them dogs what? Fasted. They'd done without. They'd done without water. For how many ever days he fasted? And that's what happened here. They fasted without food and without water. Calling upon God. Said, we don't know whether he's going to spare us or not. But this one thing we know. I mean, you know, you may not know the definite plan of God, but one thing we ought to know, we're going to seek God. We're going to hold on to God. I don't care how bad it looks and what it looks like. And God spared that city because they have repented and turned to God. Now, let's go back to Noah's time. That world, the first world, could have been saved. Jonah, not Noah preached 120 years the word of God as he built the ark. But the word never affected their lives. It never built faith in their hearts. They never repented of their self. 
God would have saved the first world if they had what? Repented. God looks for repentance from us. Brother James mentioned this morning about a man he knew. He said, every time I think a thought, I know that don't please God. I ask him to forgive me of my sin. Purification brings the blessings of God. Those worlds could have been saved. Nineveh was saved because of that, because of repentance. They repented. In Ezekiel 16th chapter, verse 48 and verse 49, we're going to read that. As I live, saith the Lord, the God, Sodom and thy sisters have done. She and her daughters, as thou hast done, thou and thy daughters. Verse 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sisters. Sodom was pride, full of pride, fullness of bread. Do you think anybody that any nation that describes today? Pride, what we have, and fullness of bread. Then it goes on sound, and abundance of of idleness. Nearly everybody you talk to, they're busier than what? Than they ever been, but not busy with the things of God. We're busy with the things of this world. That's what he's talking about here, these people here. And was in her and in her daughter. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. We got word of the day that somebody connected this church. They lost their job because of an illness that they have, nothing they have control over. Got a family. I think Rhonda, Diane, some of the rest of them got into action immediately. See how we can help them. Helping the needy. Helping those that lies at our door. The Bible says in the book of James, if we close up our bowels to those that's in need, how dwelleth the love of God? This is what was in the book of Ezekiel. They didn't reach out to the poor. They didn't reach out to the needy. All day, they, they was fullness of abundance, but they was full of idleness. Jesus walked by the vineyard one day, and he asked them, he said, why are you standing around here idle? Why not you doing something? Why not you in my vineyard? They said, because nobody asked me. There's a cry in this world today from the kingdom of God for laborers. The word laborers mean workers. He said, how come you not in my kingdom working to build my kingdom? Our job here on this earth is to build the kingdom of God where we here. Jesus said, look up. The fields of the harvest is what? Great and mighty. And they're white. The word white means they're ready to ruin. But what it lacks is laborers. In other words, workers. Some people sometimes when you talk to them, they say, well, I just don't feel the need to do that. The Bible said, look for something you can do in the kingdom of God. And when you find it, do it with all your heart, all your soul, all your might and all your strength under God. 
I think Brother Don would, I don't remember where the guy preached the class he went to, but when we was in Houston that time, <clears throat> this guy, he taught a class on being led to do something for God. That people tell him all the time, I'm just not led to do that. He said, you go to your favorite fishing store and get you a piece of lead and put it in your pocket. And always reach your hand in there and you'll always feel led. You don't have to be feel led to do something for the kingdom of God. You have to go out and do it in the kingdom of God. I know Brother John and Jody Watkins, they've had a feeling and led, I presume, to do something with the young people on Sunday night. They just didn't say, well, I feel it. They went to work, right? Listen, the, the church needs labor. And I'm not just talking about this church. We need them in the Sunday school class back there. Most of the Sunday school classes got one teacher. That's not good. That's not good for your children. Because if one of them has to go to the bathroom, you're in trouble. We need workers in the nursery, laborers people that will labor and work. How many men has volunteered for the nursery Sunday morning? Don't raise your hand now. Because these women wanting to be, these mothers is wanting to be in here Sunday on Mother's Day. Is that too much to ask? Workers. Find something to do for the kingdom of God. We read there in Acts, there was a lady when we was building this church came up here one day, said, I just sold some timber said, I want to buy the church a sign. Do you know how much it would be? I said, it's expensive. She said, just tell me what it is. I'll write it out. God moves on people, and they brought it and laid it at the apostles' feet. You may not know anybody, but you can give in the offering, and it can be used to help somebody that you don't even know. Don't toot your horn that you've done it. Or let God get the credit and the glory. The wonderful blessings of God. Jesus tells a story about a man who was on his way down from Jericho. He fell among thieves, just like this person I'm talking about right now. Have a major problem in their family. Nothing that they've done to cause this. The devil is a thief. He, he, he puts things on you sometimes. He causes problems. He causes trouble. And this man fell among thieves. And a Levi walked by and looked. I mean, you know, looking ain't going to help nobody. If somebody comes to your house, you hadn't got anything to help them with, no money to help them with, go to the Bible where at the midnight hour the man went and knocked on the door. Said, I got a friend come to my house. I got nothing to help him with. I mean, know that you'll find somebody that can give you something to help somebody. The Levi, the church, the religious people, what the Levi represents, the religious people walk by. I know I've told you this story before, but Mike Hooker and I were visiting Wadley one time and was walking down that long corridor thing and He'd already told me, he said, I'm going to buy you lunch today. You're already buying mine. And he run up on a family in there, and I went on to the truck and waited on him. And finally he came to the truck, and he said, well, I won't be able to buy you lunch today. He said, them people's houses burned last night, and I'd give them all the money I had. I'm not saying you got to give you all the money you have, but you always, there's an opportunity 
to give and help somebody. Then come along the high priest, and he looked and went on his way. Then come along the Samaritan, and the person that fell among the thieves were the Jews. The Jew hated who? The Samaritan. They would walk miles to go around the territory that the Samaritan owned. So they wouldn't go because they thought the land would defile them because Samaritans lived there. They marveled when Jesus sat at the well and talked to Samaritans. She marveled, how is it you being a Jew to talk to me? He came to seek and to save that all which is lost. He was not willing to see Nineveh in all of his wickedness and all of his lawlessness to go down. So he raised him up a man, first king called Jonah, and sent him. The Bible said in John, the Baptist was sent unto the wilderness. His diet was locusts. That don't mean bugs. That means a berry. Wild honey. And I tell you, his clothing would not have been attractive. But what he had was the presence of God. Multitudes on multitudes come to hear this man. His message was repentance. The message of the church today and church people in the world today is repentance. Repent. Praise God. Forgot his name. Bishop, so-and-so. I don't know why he keeps coming every Sunday morning. But he was good here this morning. He talked to me for a little while. He said, he didn't know what I was going to preach, but he said, for the church and the world to have a revival, there's got to be some tears. John was the voice of crying in the wilderness. He cried. He said, there's one coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I'm not worthy unlace his shoes. He only preached six months and got his head cut off. Because he was the last of the high priests of the Old Testament, John was. He couldn't be on the same stage that Jesus was. Jesus is the new beginning. So John has to die before Jesus can start his ministry. But he cried in the wilderness. His cry was repentance. Because there's one coming. And Jesus' message was repentance. The early church message was repentance. And God has not changed. It's still repentance today. The wonderful blessings of God. The harvest is so great. The fields are so white. And God is looking for some workers. It's Jesus that tells us where to fish. Peter was fished out, tired and weary. But Jesus led him to where the fish is. And that's what God wants to do to us. Lead us where the fish is. Lead us where the problem is. Lead us where there's emptiness is. Workers to build his kingdom. 
He wants us to build his kingdom. And that's the only kingdom that's going to last is the kingdom that we build for God. Let me read you something from the book of Revelation to one of the churches. Behold, I will make the synagogue of Satan, which they say they are Jews. They're not. And they say they do not lie, but behold, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. We're going to see that. If we faint not and don't grow weary in well-doing, we're going to see people that are possessed by the devil that's going to come and fall down at the feet and worship the king because it's not his will that anybody perish. I'm just glad that you're here. I'm not talking about here right now. I'm talking about here in the kingdom of God. Brother Don, I like what you said. I don't like to talk about what God used to do. I, I don't, I, I'm just getting to that place. I don't want to talk about what he used to do. I want to talk about what he's doing. I want to talk about what he, the future he has for the church and the body of Christ. He's done great and wonderful things and mag magnificent things. God has great things for us in the kingdom of God, the blessings of God. Nehemiah had one of the most important positions of his lifetime. He was the king's wine taster. It was a very important position. He had to make sure that wine was exactly what the king wanted. He dressed in the royal purple. He dressed fine. He ate fine. But one day he heard the walls had been torn down he wept brother James said some time ago in the Sunday school class you have to wait and try the spirit he didn't just jump up immediately and go he fasted he prayed he wept then he went and asked the king permission to go and to rebuild the walls. And the king gave him permission. The king gave him written letters, gold and silver, timber, everything he needed. But when he got to the place, the Bible said his beast could not go over the rubbish. I want you to notice he volunteered. God is looking for some workers. Somebody that volunteer. Jonah didn't volunteer. He didn't. He might have actually got out of the whale's belly, but he didn't volunteer. But God would not give up on Jonah. There's people that I believe, one of them is Shane Parker, who's on my heart to minister. Had a tremendous ministry. He wore out a New Testament tape. Matthew to Revelation, listening to it. He went to the Million Man March with no money, slept in the parks on the table that he could go get involved with the booger man has deceived him. But I believe God has still got his hand on that boy.
He has major problems, but he has no problem too big that God can't fix and bring him back. Who knows when he'll come through those doors? Only God knows. Hey, I could name you numbers of others. Nehemiah had to get down off the beast and crawl upon his hands and knees. Crawl upon his hands and knees. He's volunteering. He's volunteering for this service, this work. I tell you, he had opposition from every side. Sanballat and Tobiah, he had to work with a sword in one hand and a trial in the other one. But he was willing to build. Not, not only that, the Jews was against him too. His own people was against him. Glory to God. But he had something that he wanted to do was greater than the opposition. Paul said, the Lord has opened great doors of opportunity for me. But inside those doors of opportunity is great adversities. But he had a heart that he wanted to be something for God. Nehemiah wanted to be something for God. He wanted to rebuild what was being torn down. Esther was an orphan. She had no mother and father. Nehemiah, I mean not Nehemiah, but Mordecai, had taken and raised her. Esther is the type of the Gentile church. The king in the book of Esther is a type of Jesus Christ. Nowhere in the book of Esther does it mention God or refer anything toward God. Mordecai is a type of the Holy Ghost. Oh, glory to God. Mordecai took Esther in. And I'm just glad the Holy Ghost took you in. Took you in. Regardless of what you was or what you looked like, the Holy Ghost took you in and began to tutor you and nurture you and prepare you and put you in the right position. He helped Esther get in the right position to become the queen. And when she became the queen, she volunteered to give her life. It was sudden death to go before the king without being invited. But she said, if I die, I die. The king had made a decree not knowing what he had done and stamped it. That Haman could kill all the Jews. When a king made a decree, he could not change it. He could not change the order. He could not change that at all because it was there. He'd sealed it. So Esther goes, voluntarily, goes in and won the king's heart. I mean, you know, it's the Holy Ghost that carries us to Jesus. Hmm? It's the Holy Ghost that gives us wisdom and knowledge as Jesus gives it to him. And when she told the king, he says, I can't change it. What I've done, I've done. But this is what I will do. I'll give you permission to, oh, glory to God, to fight against your enemy. Sometimes we're just looking for God just to pick us up and just carry us here and there. But he's giving you permission to fight in his name against the authorities of the darkness of hell that we shall overcome all things through the power of the Holy Ghost that lives in our lives. 
He's so blessed us beyond what we can imagine. And our blessings are just beginning to be like they've never done before. One of my favorite characters in the Bible, I love reading after, and that's Abigail. David was raging mad. He'd say, I'll kill every man in the city when I get there. When I leave that city, it won't be one man left alive. He was mad because of the way that Abigail's husband had treated his men. I want you to get this picture. She gets the donkeys, gets some food, and she goes and meets the king voluntarily against this angry, wild king and fell down off the donkey and said, My Lord, she changed the heart that David left and went home without raising his sword. And she reasoned with him. God is showing us that anybody will listen to God has the ability to be used mightily of God. The Bible is full of it. Life is full of God using men, women, boys, and girls. All alike to care about his abundance, his life. So you're blessed today. And there's no one has ever done so much for us that Jesus Christ has. Brother Sam sitting back there, I remember something he told me when he was going to school and he said, you always remember when you got people complaining. Always remember Moses. He had 300, I mean 3 million. You need to remember that. But yet Moses would not be defeated. He fell down on the ground. And God said, get up, Moses. Leave me alone. I'll destroy this nation. And I'll make a nation after you. Moses would not get up. He changed a nation that was complaining against God voluntarily, risked his own life. One of our greatest weapons is prayer. When we pray, we can change. Not we, God will change things because that's the weapon that he's given us is prayer. God bless you for being here today. We're opening the church back up. We're drinking fountains and everything else. If you need prayer, we want you to come. And I know Sister Jody's daughter-in-law lived down in Louisiana. Someone has told me she needs a miracle in her life. I guarantee you. Is that right? Needs a mighty hand of God in her life, in her health. So remember that. Paul and Silas prayed when? At midnight, it was like an atomic bomb hit that place. Knocked the jail doors off and saved all the Philippian jailer's family. I want to say to everyone here today, I want you to start looking, if you're not already doing it, that every member in your family is going to be saved. Noah saved all of his family. Cornelius saved all of his family. The Philippian jailers, all family were saved. It is God's plan to save people and deliver people. 
Glory to God. David was the only man by himself, by himself, a teenage boy, that when his brothers told him, said, why don't you go back home? All you're capable of doing is take care of a few little old sheep. Go on home. You ain't got no business down here in this war-type area. He said, what are y'all, if y'all so big, why are you hiding in the cave? Why are you afraid of that guy out there and letting him defile the armies of the living God? He even told Saul about the same thing. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to bring him down. I'm going to bring his head back to you. And they thought, well, you little stripling boy, you can't do that. Philist the Philistines was one of the Israel's greatest enemies. But he went out in the name of the Lord. Huh? If that boy can do it in the name of the Lord, how much more so can you and I do it by faith in the name of the Lord? Bring down our greatest enemy, whatever it is. Speak to the mountain, tell it to be cast into sea. Peggy, why don't you come over here just a minute, please? She had been fighting a tremendous battle here, I don't know how many months. Six months. Well, she told me yesterday, she said, I'm, I'm getting better. The last few days, I tell I'm getting better. It's not going to get better. It's going to get well. When we stand up against the giants, I don't care how big it is or what it looks like. Thank you. She said, really, for two years. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Brother Melvin's in Bolger City in a rehab. They, they had no place to take him in Texarkana. They had to send him down there. He don't know how long he's going to be there, and I talked with him yesterday. I won't go in detail, but he said they brought me a wheelchair big enough for two. That they set me down in it. He said, all I need is somebody sitting in here. And since nobody's going to sit in here, Jesus is going to sit beside me. And wherever we go, Jesus is going to ride with me. Praise God. I mean, if wherever you go, why don't you say Jesus is with me? Wherever you go, the angels of the Lord that's been signed to you, signed to your children, wherever they go, God is with them. The angels is with them. Hallelujah. Whatever you encounter, God is with you, praise God. And if he's with us, what can be against us? Oh, glory to God. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. No weapon. God bless you. Look for some great things to happen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Jesus traded a wine press all by himself. He carried the chief apostles with him. Peter, James, and John, and they went to sleep. Oh, but when he got out of the tomb, he said, go tell Peter. He never forgot Peter. I want you to know if he didn't forget Peter, he's not going to forget you. He's not going to forget you wherever you are and what you're going through with. Expect things to get better in the holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're dismissed in the Lord. God bless you.